Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Amanda Brooks, founder of Run to the Finish and author of a book by the same name. You've probably seen her in the Instagram space. She is a prolific blogger and author of thousands and thousands of articles, very well-researched articles about various topics in running. And in this episode, she is joining us to talk today about treadmill training, how to make it work for you specifically, whatever you're currently training for, why she loves the treadmill and why she wishes that you wouldn't hate the treadmill. Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat more about running. So before we get started and talking about treadmill running today, go ahead and for anybody who isn't familiar with who you are, how did you become a runner and how did you end up becoming a coach and found Run to the Finish? Sure. So I think like a lot of people, I played sports kind of growing up, but running was punishment. (laughs) I did not like it. I found ways to get out of it. I mean, literally, I would fake knee pain. Um, which was ironic when I had knee surgery many years later and wanted to run. Um, In college, I had a group of friends who were doing a road trip to run the rock and roll Nashville half marathon. And I wanted to be part of this. And I've said before, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me that I could go on the trip without running, but that never crossed my mind. So I started running. So my first race ever was a half marathon. And when you're like 19, your body's fine with that. Um, So yeah, from there, I was just kind of hooked. I was never really the person who was hooked on racing. It was the run itself um, that really kind of I just kept coming back to wanting to do that and figure it out for myself. So um, I've been running since 2002. Oh my gosh, that's such a long time now. Um, Along the way, I started my website. It was way back when blogs were first starting. So like 2007, it was just my attempt to find other runners. So what we use Instagram for now. Um, around 2012, I really transitioned to using my journalism degree and starting to really write more informative articles. And it was kind of a tipping point where I decided I either need to like take run to the finish full time or I need to stop because it is taking so much time. Um, so I went and got, I actually got my personal training certification first because I really wanted to understand how the body moves and all the muscles. Um, but I kind of started coaching for free at that point, which we all do. And, you know, it's just kind of kept growing and exploding here over the last decade. That's awesome. That's such a great origin story. Uh, yes, for all of you, what are we calling them? Under 25s, like actual, (laughs) like you used to start a blog that was your like online diary. And then you just blogged with other people and you got newsletters and updates. And yeah, it was a a wild world back then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was very like, it really, I guess was kind of how Instagram was like you would post 
here's what I ran today. Here's what I ate today. <laughs> like that's what you did. And people commented on it. And then a, a great, a, a selfie in the mirror with your digital camera. And yes, yeah, yes. it's gotten better. It's gotten way better <laughs> since then. <laughs> so obviously you've been running for long enough. You come to have a personal relationship with the treadmill. Um, Amanda, before we talk about more of the, Hey, as a coach, this is what we, you know, yada, yada on the treadmill. What's your personal relationship with the treadmill been like? I love the treadmill. I don't know. I've always loved it. Um, I think part of it is just, I'm happy I get to run period, like full stop. And so wherever that is, I'm really appreciative of it. I've also lived in a whole lot of different places and dealt with a whole lot of different weather. So I appreciate not having to always go outside. <laughs> I feel like as time goes on, using the treadmill is like, I know some people genuinely hate it. That's fine. I'm not here to convince you to love the treadmill. If, if you're thinking that's what this episode is about, it's really not. Um, for me, I started running on the treadmill because it was a very safe place for me to run. Like I could control my environment. I could control my pace and my speed. And I had ultimate control over everything. Still running too fast, but that's like any new runner. Um, and then once I started running outside, oh, I hated the treadmill. Oh, the treadmill was like being confined in a box. And oh my God, you're going to make me run on the treadmill. How dare you? And now I'm like, you know what? I have a treadmill. I liked the treadmill. I don't like it every day but it's a really great tool when you need a treadmill. Yes, I always call it a tool. Um, and I also really, really hate when people call it the treadmill, um, largely because I think, of course you hate it if that's what you're calling it. It's just like when I say I hate the track. Well, that does not make those workouts any better because I'm repeating to myself that I hate the track. So that's language I have worked on. <laughs> Yes. Put your thoughts in the don't, you know, negative talk will get you in a negative headspace. So one of the questions I often get from runners is does treadmill running count? Yeah, I hear that a lot. And it's really interesting. I think there was, you know, people used to say, oh, the treadmill is helping you out. And Maybe yes, um, but also no. So it definitely counts. Um, a lot of people will tell you they think treadmill running is so much harder. And that's partially a mental thing because time isn't passing as fast when you're looking around and you're not getting maybe a lot of the variation that you would get outside unless you are thinking about manually upping and downing your you know, incline, whereas outside, there's little variations you don't always notice and there's slight changes in your pace. So for a lot of people, the treadmill is harder, um, but it 100% counts. And I would say a lot of the best, very fast runners I know do a decent amount of treadmill running. Yeah. I, I see that too. You see even, you know, non-injured or people who live in perfectly temperate climates, doing workouts on the treadmill or getting miles in on the treadmill. And it's, if the best of the best, and I don't say we don't always want to mimic what the elite runners are doing, but Hey, if they're on the treadmill, you can be on the treadmill too. Yes. I think there is just, it's a lot of the real runner thing. So the, oh, if I don't get outside in every weather condition, I'm not a real runner. If I, you know, so all those little caveats we put on ourselves, um, that we just have to let go of. So let's talk about how to effectively utilize a treadmill in your training. So I work with um, a fair number of runners who have 
approached running from or through the lens of treadmill classes, either Orange Theory Fitness or Peloton or a really similar style of workout where they're used to doing really short, fast, hard interval workouts as like almost all of their training. Um, what is the best way a runner like that can break away from that kind of fitness class culture in using the treadmill and something more like endurance focused performance goals? There's definitely a shift mentally that has to happen um, because you don't finish your workout feeling completely exhausted and wrung out. So oftentimes they'll think, well, that wasn't a good workout. And instead it's sort of shifting that mindset to if I want to increase my endurance, the only way to do that is actually to run easier. If I just keep running hard all the time, then you keep kind of running up against that plateau of why can't I run farther? Um, or why can't I do more miles in a week without getting injured or being tired? So first I think is kind of that mental shift. I think the second piece then is boredom honestly. So when you've been doing a class, there is something that you're engaged with the entire time. So now it's finding a new strategy. Okay. So on easy run days, I watch Real Housewives. Honestly, it is a show I would never sit down to watch, but it keeps me entertained. It makes me laugh. It's stupid. It's, you know, whatever. And that really makes the time fly on the treadmill. So I think having little things that are specific to your entertainment there. So a show that you only get to watch when you're doing your easy runs, or maybe it's a podcast that you listen to only during your easy runs. Um, you kind of are just tricking yourself into like, oh yeah, I can't wait to get down there. I want to see what happens with X, Y, Z. Um, and then starting to really tap into as well, when you finish those runs, how do you feel? So the fact that you feel energized and not sore and like the next day you're fresh for your run, I think we kind of take for granted those things. We don't always celebrate them to the extent that we celebrate how hard you worked and taking that little moment for kind of that positive reinforcement makes it easier to keep doing too. And I will echo having uh, bribing yourself with content you're only allowed to consume on the treadmill. Um, because if, if you're going on the treadmill and you're throwing on episodes of the office, which you've seen 55,000 times before, you know, it's not going to be as entertaining as real housewives or whatever your below deck, you know, whatever your choice, even some highbrow drama. I don't care. There's no judgment here. Um, yes, it, it, because in a perfect world, we would always get to run in the environment we want to run in for some people that's outside. Um, but sometimes we're going to be on the treadmill, even on days we'd prefer to be outside. So staying on the treadmill for as long as we should stay on the treadmill, there can be some mental trickery involved. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Whatever it kind of, I mean, you play mental games outside. I'll just run to that next stop sign. So you're just, it's a new game for the treadmill. Um, what about for a runner who is very comfortable on the treadmill and totally buys into, you know, proper principles of endurance training, they're dialed into their easy effort, they're, they're bought into changing from that fitness class culture, but they're so comfortable on the treadmill, they're nervous about running outside. How do you help a runner like that transition from the treadmill to outside running? 
Yeah, I think some of it is always going to be just doing it. Um, but the other piece is kind of how are you doing your runs on the treadmill? So are you running at a 0% incline for the duration of all your runs? Then yes, it may feel trickier when you go outside because you're not used to those inclines anymore. If you're running at 1% the entire time, that's also maybe not great because um, you're actually putting strain on like the hip flexors for the duration of the run. So I think some of it is, okay, in your treadmill run, there's going to be a little screen somewhere that tells you, you know, how much elevation you've gained over the course of your run. So let's just play around with that. Start paying attention to that number, you know, throughout your easy run, bump it up to one or two for a minute, drop it back down to zero. So play with some of that. Um, certainly if I run on 1% and then go outside, I feel like I'm flying. Um, plus I'm getting downhills, which I don't always take advantage of on the treadmill. So you go outside and the downhill, suddenly you just feel really light and free. So I think one is kind of taking a second to get a feel for what you're doing on the treadmill. And then maybe your first couple runs outside, can you find something that sort of mimics that? So maybe you need to drive somewhere that's fairly flat because that's what you've been doing and give your sort of set yourself up for success. So a run that like you're excited about. So that could be going somewhere new or it could just be somewhere that's flat and you're excited about that. Um, but pick somewhere initially that you're just excited to try and then set no goal for it other than just doing it and paying attention to your effort. Like, you know, can I, could I carry on a conversation if someone was running with me? I'm just keeping this easy and, and getting used to how it feels. I also hear a lot about um, runners who are really relying on the treadmill for workouts because they can just set the pace and, and they can run a lot faster on the treadmill or hold it for longer on the treadmill than they think they could outside. Um, and while the treadmill, like we talked about, is a really, really great tool, you have to kind of learn how to do it for real before you can effectively do it on the treadmill. Like it's backwards. If the treadmill is doing the pacing for you, you're never going to learn how to pace yourself outside. How would you help a runner in that situation who is worried about properly pacing a faster run, not just an easy run outside? I think really learning how to dial into effort is a big thing for most of us. Um, we have a tendency to use pace as the determination of our effort instead of what our body is actually telling us about effort. So if you first kind of practice on your easy days, like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, I want to be maybe around a five. So that means if I were running with someone, I could at least get out a couple of sentences. You know, I wouldn't be gasping trying to chat. And then because one of the first things we tend to put in most plans is something like hill repeats or hill sprints, that gives you a really good idea of like, okay, that's my top end effort. Like that is tough. By the time I finish that repeat, I want to stop. Okay. So now you've kind of got that gauge of like, what's easy, what's super hard. And so then when you've got a run that's designed either to be, you know, around a certain effort, half marathon effort, 10K effort, whatever it might be, you can kind of bookend it with, okay, I don't want to feel like I can't keep going and I don't want to feel like this is just chit chat away. Um, and I think that's sort of a good way. You almost just have to give yourself those experiences to start finding kind of that middle for interval type things. 
And I think it's important to acknowledge that there is, um, for a lot of runners, the anxiety around holding a certain pace, right? We have race goals. And if you're training for a race and you're really worried about being able to hold a certain pace, but you can do it on the treadmill. So you stay on the treadmill and do it. It's, it's one, it's not going to be perfect outside. That's not the point. Um, but by staying on the treadmill and not trying it outside, you're probably doing yourself a disservice in your development, especially if you're races outside, which most races are. <laughs> True. I will say I love the treadmill for speed work. Um, and I mean, I've honestly had some really great races doing the majority of my runs on there, but I think that's also an experience factor. Um, so kind of getting out of your head about going outside and what it's going to be like. Um, and so certainly you have to kind of gauge the amount you're using it also around like your experience and are you going to take a bunch of nerves into race day because you haven't been going outside actually that is basically the question i was going to ask next was how much treadmill is too much treadmill is there such a thing depending on what you're training for right so you know runners live in all all parts of the world south florida antarctica well probably antarctica i'm sure there's a runner in antarctica mm -hmm. right now let's just say northern alaska to be safe and you know i get questions about can i train on the treadmill i live in this place i genuinely can't run outside and my answer is usually yeah yeah you can but like you just noted experience is also going to be a factor right if you've never had the experience of training exclusively or mostly outside treadmill training is it's not going to be as full of a training experience as if you were training outside, although it definitely is still training. Yeah, I think it can be something where you do 100% of your training there and you're going to have a great race day. Um, certainly, you do need to take into account if you're using it because of what the weather is like, and that is the weather that you're going to have on race day you do have to just go outside. So I don't love running when it's freezing cold or when it's freezing rain here. But if I know that I have a race coming up, that's very likely going to be, you know, in 20 degree weather, then I need to know what that feels like because your body feels different. Or when I lived in Miami, like I had to run outside because races were going to be 90 degrees and like, you need to know that it changes your effort level. So I think that's one of the big things. Um, the other is, if you take the time to really look at the race course, understand elevation, and then you take the time to sort of mimic that on the treadmill, that helps. Um, the other thing you won't be able to entirely mimic, though, is a course that has a lot of turns. And you don't really understand how that's going to slow you down um, because you're doing horseshoes or these really sharp turns. Um, and so I think there's definitely some benefits to getting outside for that. And also kind of just the, you might have to slow down for this thing or step over that thing. So you're sort of awareness of things that are around you that you don't have to really take into account on the treadmill. What's the longest run you've ever done on a treadmill? Um, I want to say like 22, probably. It's a I've done a lot of very long miles on the treadmill. <laughs> how, how many episodes of Real Housewives did that take? <laughs> It's a good question. One of my favorite things to do actually is when Boston or New York are on TV um, is I will plan my long run so that I can run through the duration of the broadcast. Um, 
And so, yeah, those have been some pretty good runs. That's really funny. My longest treadmill run to date, I ran 18 miles and I ran it on the day of the Tokyo Olympic marathons, <laughs> watching yeah. the marathon. I mean, yes, those, those miles flew by. <laughs> yes. It's I literally one of my favorite things besides running in a brand new place. I love doing that on the treadmill. <laughs> And for some people listening to this, they're thinking, that's crazy. I can't imagine <laughs> spending 18, 20, 22 miles on the treadmill. It's not something you do overnight. You work up to it. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, it's just like building up to any any run. <laughs> Another question I usually get is about the accuracy of treadmills. And I know there's a lot of debate about the calibration of the treadmills at the gym. And my watch says this, but the treadmill sells, says that when it comes to distance. What do you say to runners when they ask about those, those differences and which one they should trust? I always say your watch is wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> your watch is trying to use GPS, but you are standing still. So then it's kind of trying to look at stride length and frequency. And maybe if you have a foot pod on, it's more accurate. Um, but realistically, your treadmill is the accurate thing to look at. Um, they can get off. Usually, however, where they tend to get off is more in like the incline. And so that's an easy thing to check. Like at home, you can put a little level on it and at 0%, obviously it should be in the middle. So mine has been moved for like seven different houses. So in this last move, I realized it was no longer accurate. So, you know, I just made a couple of adjustments um, so that I would know what is actually level. Um, the speed can feel different, however, I have realized on different treadmills. Um, and I think some of that just has to do a, with the environment, honestly, that you're running in. Um, so you're on a hotel treadmill that you've never run on before. It's in a teeny tiny little room and it's hot as hell because that's half the treadmills I run into. Um, and so it just doesn't feel good and you're kind of mentally in a different space. So it feels a lot harder. Um, the treadmills at the gym, they generally do a pretty good job of staying on top of maintenance and calibration. If it is just genuinely feeling way, way harder and you're positive that you feel good, try a different treadmill and see how much, it, you know, and if it still feels super hard, then it, it might be you. I don't know about you guys, but it is capital S suddenly summer where I am. And that means a lot more sunshine. All those early morning runs that you used to do in the dark, you're probably doing them in the light now. And when it gets bright out, you need a good pair of sunglasses. And may I recommend my favorite sunglasses, Gooder sunglasses, starting at only $25. They are fun, fashionable, functional, and affordable for when you inevitably lose a pair or your dog eats a pair. And they come out in different colors and collections and styles all the time. That's my favorite thing. Every time I go on their website, there's a new collection or a new drop and I just have to get them. They're also 100% UV protective and 100% polarized. That makes a big difference in that bright sun. And now you can get 15% off your next order with code RUNEXP. That's code R-U-N exp on goodr.com. Look good, run gooder. That blows people's mind when I tell them they can't trust their watch on the treadmill. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? Oh my, wh why not? It really, 
really bothers people yeah. especially like older models where you couldn't then calibrate after because their watch was not accurate and yes I know <laughs> I have one first of all it works perfectly I'm not getting rid of this Garmin but it's a 235 which is a cup enough years old now before they came out with the oh you just finished a treadmill run how far did you really go calibration feature the other thing I'll say um is that if you do use that calibration feature it it kind of assumes that you run the same pace all the time. So it calibrates to what you usually use. So if you are usually running easy effort runs on the treadmill and it gets mostly accurate, you're thinking, yeah, I'm only a little bit off. That's pretty good. And then you do a speed workout, your watch is going to be so confused. Yes. Yeah. Your watch is- <laughs> It gets way, way off. It's not infallible. It's just a piece of tech. <laughs> yeah. Usually I was only wearing my watch so that I could watch heart rate. Um, and so I actually stopped doing that and started wearing a chest strap again because it pairs to the treadmill. And so it'll show up on the treadmill. Um, so then I wasn't ever looking at the watch and like worried about what it was saying. So let's go back and talk more about why it can feel harder or easier on the treadmill. Because there are some people out there who say, no, no, no. I can run way faster on the treadmill than I can outside. And my effort is the same, you know, feels lower. My heart rate is lower. And then you have a lot of people. I am one of them. I'm slower on most treadmills, not all treadmills, but most treadmills than I would be outside. Um, and we mentioned before a couple, there are some mental reasons why. I mean, obviously air, lack of airflow is a big one. If you have a treadmill and you don't have a giant fan set up in front of it, go buy one right now and do that and do yourself a favor. Is there anything though to the, biomechanical or surface differences on a treadmill compared to outside running that might contribute to those differences in effort? One of the big things for a lot of people is that they actually tend to change their running form without even realizing they're doing it. So we have a tendency to run really close to the console. And so the result of that is your stride actually gets kind of choppy. You're not getting a full arm swing. Um, so getting yourself to run actually towards the middle of the treadmill, it, it literally takes some practice to do that because for whatever reason, we think we're going to fall off the back. So we just keep scooting farther forward. Um, so that changes your stride. So then it a hundred percent feels different. Um, the other one is usually incline. So if it happens to be that you think it's at zero, but it's really at 1%, um, then you're like, why does this feel harder? Because eh, you're running slightly uphill. Um, so always kind of, if you can double check the incline, that's a good one. Um, the temperature is a really big one that most people don't factor in. So usually a lot of runners are doing early morning runs. So maybe you're getting 40s or 50s and inside it's probably gonna be 60 to 70 degrees. So it is hotter. Um, and so that's gonna feel different. Um, those are usually kind of, the big ones that I see in terms of what makes it feel harder. Um, easier for a lot of people is that the treadmill deck has some flex and some cushion to it. So that's actually one of the reasons I continue to use it um, is it makes my knees feel good to have one day a week that's not on something super hard like the asphalt. Um, so that can just feel nice and sort of help people a little bit. I think Big part of it is also the mental thing though. It's I set a pace and I get into a rhythm of that pace. So there's nothing really forcing me out of it. So your body does just kind of click in and settle down into that pace. Maybe you're distracted because you are watching a show. Um, and so you're just not thinking so much about your breathing and your running. You're 
kind of just really focused in on something else. That 1%, oh, you should run on a 1% incline to mimic the demands, wind resistance of running outside. I know why that's wrong. Do you know why that's wrong? (laughs) (laughs) So I bought into that for many, many, many years. Um, And I kind of look back now and think, I'm really lucky I did not get injured. Um, So yeah, I mean, you are just consistently using your muscles in that slightly shortened uphill sort of running phase. Um, So I am a big fan of just kind of changing the incline throughout your entire run um, because that is what would happen outside. Now, having lived in Florida, that is not exactly true. The incline never changed anywhere, um, but there are benefits to changing the incline. I've been on long runs in Florida where I, long runs, where I think I gained a grand total of 14 feet. <laughs> yes. Like less than a foot per mile. <laughs> it's so crazy. Moving from Florida to Colorado, like the first run here, I was like, what is happening? There are hills everywhere. That's a big change. <laughs> yeah. um, that's a really good point about variation, variation, variation. Yes, it's not that the incline itself is the problem, although harder doesn't always equal better or more effective, especially on those easy runs. But that treadmill running is so repetitious that part of one of the reasons we don't want to just set on a 1% or even do all of our runs at 0% or 2% or whatever that static incline is, is because it can accumulate issues if we're running in like that for miles and miles and miles at that one non-changing incline. Um, what I think is interesting though, is that the, this whole, oh, you need to run at a 1% incline to mimic the demands of outdoor running is that it's actually, it's one of those things where it's kind of true for some people, um, that if you are running at seven minute per mile pace or faster, pretty speedy, yes, you it's, there can be enough wind resistance running outdoors where you do need a slight incline on the treadmill to mimic the metabolic demands of the outdoor versus indoor, um, comparison. But that also doesn't mean that if you're running that fast, you should also put it on an incline. Like it's one of those things where they kind of did this study and they found this thing. And it's like, that is interesting. Can we use this? And my, my answer to that is eh, probably not. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things where we're like, oh, they did a study of 30 people. And so now all of us are going to 30 use it highly all the time. trained collegiate male athletes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every study on runners ever, almost. <laughs> Always, yes. For a treadmill easy run, treadmills are great for easy runs. Once it's over, you just kind of stop and wander away. It's almost like you never ran at all. Yeah, I really, I'm such a fan of people figuring out how good easy runs feel. I feel like that's one of the things I hear so often from our runners is once they're like willing to slow down and do easy runs within about a month, I start getting these messages of like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like I have energy all day long. Oh my gosh. Like nothing hurts. You know, like it's this sort of shocking, like my run was just enjoyable. Like I actually felt like relaxed because I finished it. The one thing I love to hear about people for who have slowed down to their actual easy effort zone is that they've fallen in love with running again. Mm. That running at an easy effort has made them remember how much they actually love to run. Yes, it's so true. I mean, there's a, a massive mental benefit that we get from those hard workouts and those intervals for sure. Like you feel like, oh, I can do anything. But 
you could be getting that doing anything, any super intense workout. So there is something different when you're able to just move and you kind of feel your body again. And like, I just actually had time to think and to breathe and like recognize that that just was like good for me because it was good for me, not because like I tried to beat myself into the ground. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that is key. No more beating yourself into the ground on every single run because it has to be faster, more, longer, whatever it is. Yes. All right. Let's talk about how to effectively utilize the treadmill in your training. Maybe you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm past all that, but you know, I just got a treadmill and I want to know how to use it effectively in my training. Um, what are some situations you mentioned before about mimicking course profiles and elevation gain? which is really key on some of these challenging courses, especially I'm thinking courses like New York or other challenging courses that have um, really specific challenging hills (laughs) in really inopportune places like the end. How would a runner um, look at the course and devise a run on the treadmill to, like you said, mimic that course profile? So there's a couple different things you could do. Um, So a lot of the treadmills now have like a Google Maps installed and you can almost overlay a profile and you can run a section of the course and you could just do that on an easy day. Or you can kind of get to know that it's something like Boston and you've got a series of hills that you need to deal with. So setting up your training where you have some interval runs that are on steep hills Um, so, you know, early in training, that might be short hill sprints, but then later in training, that might be where you're running two to three minutes on, you know, a 7% incline and doing that as repeats. Um, and if you can figure out exactly what the grade is that you're going to have to run, then that's great. You can repeat and you can even do repeats like slightly faster than your goal pace on that incline because you're doing a short time frame and it's not in the middle of 26 miles. Um, so then hopefully when you hit those hills, mentally it's like, oh, I'm not even running as fast as I've done this over and over and over already in training. Um, or in my case, um, when I was in Florida and needed something to train for that was hilly, I had to use the treadmill. And so then it is just sort of that up and down variation throughout any easy run. Flip side, in Colorado, I was training for Chicago and I needed flat. And I was like, this is sort of ridiculous. I almost can't find a route flat enough to mimic the fact that I will not be changing muscles. And so I would do super flat runs on the treadmill um, because like you said, when you're at that consistency, you are using the same muscles over and over and over And so the treadmill was the way for me to like mimic that because I couldn't find something flat enough. So there's kind of a number of different little ways like that. You can start to kind of really think about how you're maximizing your time there. I will also say map my run, which I use to map out my routes. Um, They have a, if you pick out, if you lay out your route and you have to know what your route is and then you can enable elevation. And if you actually, you can look at elevation by 
like feet, or it will actually show you elevation by grade percent, which is what your treadmill is telling you about incline percents, right? So grade. So if, if you're looking on map by run, you kind of have to zoom in to specific hills. It kind of averages gradients or grades together. If you zoom, if you have like a 20 mile run mapped out, it might say one section has a grade of 4%, but you zoom in and it's like 8%, 2%, 9%, right? So zoom in on the big hills and look what those actually are. But it'll tell you the grade, right? So if you're mapping a course, like the race you're about to, or about to run, the race you'll be signing up for and running in your next training cycle, and you know it has a challenging course profile, pop in into something like Map My Run and actually look at the percent grade of the hills you'll need to tackle. I love Map My Run. I still use it. Like when I was mapping out long runs here, I would try to draw it out ahead of time to see like, okay, what's the total elevation if I run that way? Like, oh, that's like 600 feet, but Chicago only has 200 feet total. <laughs> um, the other thing I will say about the treadmill too is decline. So a lot of people are doing downhill races now um, and they are amazing, but they beat you up in a way that most runners are not prepared for. So if you have a place where like here we have canyons, someone could drop you off and you could run downhill for 10 miles. And that's, you really need that kind of simulation. So um, the treadmill is often the best way you're going to get that. So truly running straight downhill without getting ups um, to really give your quads and your knees a chance to adapt to that. Not every treadmill has decline though, which I found out after I bought my treadmill. I should have looked <laughs> harder. <laughs> yes, it's a feature now that I'm in love with. Um, so yes, any future treadmill must have. But yes, a lot of the old ones did not have it. Oh, it's not old. It's a Peloton. <laughs> what? It's just expensive oh, yeah. with no decline. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about Peloton, but I will say it's not my favorite of the treadmills. So I'll tell you why I bought it. And it's the only treadmill I've ever owned. Well, it's not true. My parents had a treadmill when I was in middle school. Um, I bought it because it has slat belts. It has the sl like a Woodway, which are ungodly expensive. A Woodway treadmill is like $15,000. I don't have that kind of money. Um, so that's why I bought it. And I've liked it. It's been fine. I'm sure that there are a lot of other treadmills that have the same features and just are by a different company. I'd also be perfectly happy with them. Yeah. Oddly enough, it's maybe been five years ago now, I had a company reach out and I went out and in one day I did 75 treadmill video reviews. So I ran on 75 treadmills over the course of a day and I did like a video about each of them. Um, yeah, I developed some pretty good opinions in that day. Okay, so now that we know, well, this is totally was supposed to be at the end of the episode, but... Um, what do you look for in a treadmill? What are the things people should care about when they're buying a treadmill? So a couple of the big things are one is the belt length and width. Um, so a lot of the times if you're like thinking about space and you go with something slightly smaller, it becomes uncomfortable to run on. You feel like you are going to fall off the back end. Um, so looking for that little bit longer belt um, and then motor size is the big key. So motor size is one going to help that when you hit 6.0, it actually like speeds up to 6.0 rather than like it takes it sort of gradually builds It's the zero up. to 60 factor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So like it actually gets up there and then it has no issue maintaining that without like getting really hot or something like that. Um, so 
that's, those are like a couple of the big things. The other one for me is always sort of that stability factor. So when you get on, does the whole thing like kind of shimmy and shake? Um, and if you actually read treadmills will on their website, say that like, it's more designed for walking or more designed for running. Um, and so usually a walking treadmill belt is shorter. So that's one of those kind of like tip offs. Um, I don't know. My treadmill has a good 17,000 miles on it now. Um, so it's had a good lifespan, but it is getting replaced before long. That's good. Derp. What is it? What do you have? Um, so I have a Norda track. It's a 2950. Um, so I love that model almost always for years and years. I've recommended the 1750, um, because it has everything that most runners need like it's got decline it goes up to 12 percent incline like good speed the 2450 is now their like newest model um, that has just a few more things i think maybe a little more um, than the 1750 but i feel like those also kind of stay in like a decent price range um another one i talk about sometimes is like the soul F80. I think that's the right number now. Um, so that's a little more price friendly too, and still a really good, good machine. Yeah. Actually, when we were looking at this might be say like you bought a Peloton instead of a soul, like those are completely different treadmills, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like again, had all the features and I was thinking, I didn't quite realize at the time we moved and I live in a place where my neighborhood is extraordinarily hilly for everyday runs. Um, and so having the treadmill living in new England, it's just a good tool to have. Um, but the soul was really intriguing. Good price point. Like you said, the reviews are great. People really like them. They're just a, not as well known as some of the bigger companies. Yeah. That was actually my first treadmill ever when I felt like an adult and bought something for myself. <laughs> um, all right. So back to decline. Um, again, not something you should do every single run on, even if you're training for a downhill race. A hundred percent. Is there a, for decline, there's a definitely a maximum decline. I don't think most treadmills go past three, three and a half percent decline, which is a there lot. There are maybe, yeah, there are maybe a couple that do six, um, but not many, and you're getting really top end there. So the average is going to be three percent. What about? So we've talked about how to make the treadmill work for you in hills and course profile. What about if you are just going along with your training schedule and you have to hop on the treadmill for a workout for whatever reason, what should a runner know about executing a workout that they usually do outside on the treadmill instead? So usually like the big variation is going to be what you're doing in that recovery period. So if you're doing something like hill sprints, so you've got it set on a big incline and you've got it set at a hard pace. Um, you're probably not going to lower it all the way down and walk. So usually if I'm doing something like that, I will keep it set on the high incline. I might tap like 1% so the belt keeps moving and then I'll get off and just walk around and then get back on, feet on the sides, jump back on and start running hard. Um, so if you're doing some kind of sprint type thing, it may be more of a, I need to jump off, plant my feet on the side kind of scenario. If there's, you know, short with short intervals. Um, otherwise the other thing will be then during your recovery, 
you almost have to plan for the fact that the treadmill does take a second to get up to speed. And so are you maybe cutting your interval short? Cause you start it like right on the moment and you stop it right on like the next second. Um, so I may hit like the speed that I'm, you know, I might punch in the speed five seconds before I'm actually going to start the interval so that you're kind of working up to it. Um, so that I get the full duration again, we're talking seconds. So if you don't get them all, like, don't freak out about it, just do the work. Um, the other thing I will say is paying attention to your effort. So outside you tend to be very in tune to that. And, you know, you may do the same thing where I sign a lot of workouts based on effort. You might have a pace guideline, but effort. So on the treadmill, you're punching in that pace and then you're just like, I just have to hold on to this. But if it just feels way harder than what the workout is supposed to be, dial it back. Like, you know, so don't, it's another instance of like, don't let pace be the only thing that's sort of driving you. That one is really hard for a lot of runners to do because they think, but I ran this pace outside. I might, I usually am eight minute, you know, eight minute miles for this kind of workout. And I, I, I'm falling off the back of the treadmill on that pace. Is there something wrong? And I'm like, you should just slow down. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think that is another kind of, you don't realize that maybe your form is changing. I think people try to, you start over striding a little bit when you're trying to go really fast instead of like, no, I know I need to pick up my cadence. I need to swing my arms faster because the belt just kind of picked up on you. So yeah, I think it's kind of, okay, double check in with my form and my cadence and see if I'm doing that right. If I'm doing all of that right and still just can't hold on, then this is not the right pace for right now. So I don't know about you, but I typically where I use heart rate most of my runners is on easy effort runs. If you're in your easy effort zone, that's awesome. Everything else we really do by, like you said, pace range and effort. But you work with an athlete long enough, or maybe you, athlete, runner, are listening and you're thinking, I've been running for long enough. I feel like I have enough accurate data from a heart rate strap of my heart rate at different intensities and in races and workouts. Can you use heart rate data effectively on a treadmill so you are paying attention less to pace and more to effort and heart rate? You definitely can. Um, Like I said, almost... Most treadmills now will pair with your chest strap as well. Uh, Granted, if you're at the gym, this may get a little more difficult, um, but most of them just have like Bluetooth or Ant, um, and so you can get them to pair with each other. Um, Yes, you have to have been doing it for a while, and then you have to also just kind of make sure that you're still double-checking, I think, with effort. Um, So you could certainly be focused on a goal run that's in zone four or in zone five. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't love training with those zones because I find the majority of people end up confused about why it's so different from day to day. (laughs) Um, But yes, you can a hundred percent do it. Yeah. And this is one of those situations where it's so, so dependent on individual history and experience and how they use it. I mean, there are some runners who, you know, heart rate's never going to be their go-to. It's just never going to be work for them as a training metric. And that's fine. Um, and there are situations where a runner might use it on one day and then not on another. And that's also fine. I think if, as long as we're always connecting back to the effort and that's the hardest skill of all to learn, because we like to be told how we feel, not feel how we feel. If you can yes. connect it back to effort, that's always going to be your best guide. 
A hundred percent. I definitely think triathletes tend to be more heart rate zone focused because there's so much more zone specific training in most triathlete plans. Um, and so they may do way better with like run intervals on the treadmill focused on a zone because they've been using that in a bunch of different ways already. What about assault runners or human power, non-motorized treadmills? What are, what are your thoughts on those? Freaking hard. <laughs> um, so they are a really good workout. Um, they are really great for hit workouts for sprint intervals. Um, you know, so that's why you see them a lot in sort of CrossFit style gyms. Um, they are insanely expensive to have at home. So if you really love them, you can certainly get one, but in general, I do not recommend them for any kind of distance run. Um, they are really more useful in that kind of like short burst, like, and short bursts could maybe be up to five minutes, like, but I don't recommend them for like longer style running. I mean, I don't think you can, unless you're very, very fit. I can't get the belt going and stay in an easy effort zone. Like I have to be going to make the belt go. Yes. Like there, I have seen some people who like can do it. I cannot do it either. For me, it is like, this is an all out effort. Um, That's what I'm going to be giving you while I'm on here. Um, So it's just, it's super impressive when I see it. (laughs) I get a surprising number of questions about, and I'm sure you do too, about things you've never thought about and you get five questions about it and you're thinking, who, who, wait, am I missing something? Is everybody doing this? And I didn't know about it. Like trying to train for a marathon and an assault runner. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think it was all of a sudden, I do believe it was because it started showing up in these gyms and these high profile workouts. And everyone kept saying it burns more calories. It's, you know, a better workout. And yes, it burns more calories because you're running faster. It's harder. (laughs) Like, so it's, Yes, it's great for those things, um, but yes, 100%. That or um, just manual treadmills in general. Um, occasionally that will pop up um, and I'm like, no, you don't want to do a long run. on <laughs> like It's, just, it's not going to go well. I don't think you could. I mean, honestly, <laughs> unless you're, you know, um, it's elite at this point, honestly, your easy runs yeah. are in the 630 range, right? <laughs> yeah. So... We're going back to talk about tread long run, long runs on the treadmill. Um, but just in general, do you have any advice for people for fueling and hydration requirements on the treadmill? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, I tend to think of it very similar to outside, largely because everything we're doing is kind of just that repetition of practice. Um, So like with hydration, especially on long runs, I'm always telling folks sip at every mile. Um, So you just sort of get in that habit. Um, If it's an easy run, it's three miles, five miles, like you probably weren't going to carry anything outside either. So I'm not too worried about it on the treadmill. Um, I like doing things like setting up Cheerios to mark my intervals um, and eat one after, um, but that's usually not enough fuel, so I'll eat something else too. But um, I think really just thinking about your treadmill run is an equivalent workout. And so however I would be fueling, I need to consistently do that here too. And the treadmill can be a great place to try out a new fuel source too, right? Especially if you have a tricky stomach, if most fuels don't work for you and you've been convinced into trying a new one by your 
registered dietitian or whoever it is, um, and you're really nervous, try it on the treadmill. Hop on the treadmill, take it halfway through your four-mile run, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a long run for you to try a new fuel. Uh, and if it doesn't work, you have a bathroom right there. A hundred percent. I know a lot of runners like the treadmill specifically because they are worried about their stomach. Um, and yes, it is that perfect chance to test out anything new or different. One thing I want to ask about, cause you said, mentioned Cheerios and this reminded me, um, I wanted to say setting up workouts, we went talk about smartwatches previously. Most running watches have features where you can program, pre-program in workouts into your watch and your watch will beep at you at whatever interval, time, distance, duration, blah, 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 you've set. You can do this for treadmill workouts. You just have to make sure they are not distance-based. They are time-based or you are manually lapping for your workout. So yes, you can totally use the workout builder feature on treadmill to workouts. You just can't do them distance based because they're, you're not covering any distance. Yep. A hundred percent. Is there anything that you wish people knew about treadmills that you think they should know? Oh, fun question. Um, no, I mean, I really think it's just letting yourself be okay with using it. Um, so for those who are kind of really just not sure about it or against it or whatever, just getting out of this mindset of whatever you think a treadmill run means. Um, it's the same sort of thing I found when someone gets injured and they have to do other things and they suddenly realize they really love biking, but they don't ever want to say they love biking because I'm supposed to be a runner. Um, and so nobody wants to say they love the treadmill because I'm a real runner. Um, so yeah, I just say sort of get out of your own way, like use it when you need to. And if you enjoy it, it's okay. <laughs> I think there is a, a lot of, I think mostly unintentional gatekeeping around that topic. If you say, I really, I love the treadmill. It means that you either don't know what you're doing or you're not doing it correctly, or you're not training for a real race. Um, and like we've said at the very top of this episode, like elite runners use the treadmill all the time. And I dare you to tell one of them that they're not real runners. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And something else I wanted to mention, and we talked a lot about distance, that kind of thing. Um, I find that for runners who, if you are slower on the treadmill, then you would be on an equivalent run outside, do an easy conversion and just run by time instead. And I always tell my runners to just times the mileage by 10, 10 minutes, right? So if you were supposed to run five miles, but on the treadmill, you have to slow down and just, you don't have time to get your full five miles and just run 50 minutes instead. That's roughly the same thing. Yeah. I love that idea. A lot of it again is just about getting out of your head. Like your easy run pace means literally almost nothing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's about the time on your feet and the benefits you're getting out of the, the run. Exactly. And the sooner we learn that, the sooner we become better runners. Yes. Amanda, thank you much for sharing your treadmill wisdom with us. You have a lot more, dare I say, two decades worth of wisdom to share over at Run to the Finish. Um, tell people what you have to offer and where people can find, follow, and possibly work with you or your team. Sure. So yeah, runtothefinish.com is the website. There are quite literally thousands of heavily researched articles on there about nearly every topic. Um, so I actually have a team of nine running coaches now. So folks who are kind of looking for that one-on-one, -on -one, um, we love working with that beginner intermediate runner. I always say we're not really 
aiming for like the, you know, elite Boston qualifiers. Uh, you know, we enjoy the beginners or the ultra runners. Um, we also though have virtual run club. So for those who aren't quite at that point of wanting like a one-on-one -on -one coach, um, they get access to all like 10 of the courses that I've created. So I have a running form course or core um, nutrition with a sports dietitian. You get access to all of that plus access to the coaches and a community. Um, and that's been a really amazing place kind of the last couple of years where I just see everyone sort of finding people similar to them. So someone will ask a question and other people are like, oh my God, I'm so glad someone else asked this. Um, so I love sort of having that space for people too, especially just when you aren't at the place where you need a one-on-one -on -one coach or you can't quite afford one-on-one -on -one yet, which totally makes sense too. Absolutely. That's the most amazing thing about runners. And I think we've all, when we entered this community, we, we kind of thought that we were the first ones to experience whatever the thing was. I remember when I was new, texting a friend who I knew was a runner. I asked, why did the outside of my knees hurt? Like I had no <laughs> words to describe what I was feeling, which was very, very clearly IT band syndrome now that I know. But like, I had no idea. And I thought I was, there was something wrong with me. And I must be the only runner in the world to experience. No, it's IT band syndrome. And I love that the community, just being able to ask the question and realize I am not alone in whatever I'm doing, my successes or my challenges. There's always somebody who has gone through or going through something very similar to what you are. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's actually, so I always feel like I forget to mention it. I wrote a book <laughs> um, and it's largely, you know, it's targeted toward what I call lovingly the middle of the pack. Um, and it is kind of just that guide of the things we maybe kind of sort of know, but don't know. Um, so we have all those details. And so certainly that's there. And then I'm always on Instagram, happy to chat about running daily. <laughs> yes, you and me both. <laughs> Well, I'm going to link all of that below in the show notes so people can find and follow you and connect with you if they want to. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. It was great. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.